If you would please open with me in your Bibles to the book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 9. John chapter 9. See, there's, in the book of John, there's seven different times in which Jesus says, like, I, I am something. I, I am bread of life. I am the light. I am the good shepherd. I am uh, this gate. And, and I want to just talk about Jesus this morning and really where he says, I am the light. John chapter 9. We're going to read a little bit. Beginning with verse 1. Now, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or because of his parents' sins? It was not because of the sins of his parents, Jesus answered, uh, nor nor his sins. Uh, This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spat on the ground. He made mud with the saliva, and he spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, now go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Now, Siloam means scent. So the man went, and he washed, and he came back seen. His neighbors and others who knew him as the blind beggar asked each other, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, No, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, Yes, I am the same one. They asked, Who healed you? What happened? And he told them, uh, The man that they called Jesus, he made mud, he spread it over my eyes, and he told me, Go to this pool of shalom, wash yourself. So I went and I washed, and now I can see. So where is he? They asked. I have no idea. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath, that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he he put the mud over my eyes, and and when I washed it away, I could see. And and some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God. Like, really, that's your first response? I'm blind, I can see. Yeah, that's totally not from God. Uh, For he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner... Do such miraculous signs. So there was this deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees again uh, questioned the man who had been blind and, and demanded, What's your opinion about this man? Who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. Uh, The Jewish leader still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see, so they called for his parents. Like, his parents got called into the office. Like, seriously. They asked them, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? His parents replied, oh, yes, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. Now, listen, his parents said this because they were afraid. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced this, that anyone saying that Christ was the Messiah would be expelled from synagogue. And that's why they said he's old enough. He could speak for himself. Ask him. 
So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind. They told him, uh, God should get the glory for this. But because we know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner, I don't know whether he's a sinner. The man replied, but this I do know. I was blind, and now I see. Amazing story here. Jesus is walking around, and then there's this blind guy sitting on the side of the road, and to the disciples uh, ask this question, well, well who, who sent him or, or his parents? Uh, and this brings about so many assumptions on the disciples' part because they figured, listen, something's wrong here. Somebody must have sinned. It must have been him or it must have been his parents, and to which Jesus is like, neither. Both assumptions are wrong. And then, and then Jesus gives this, this kind of beautiful illustration that's just crazy. He says, well, watch this, boys. And, and he goes, and he picks up some, some dirt, and I just thought this would be a great sermon illustration this morning. So is there anybody in here that has, like, bad cataracts? <laughs> Blind, can't see a thing right now. I mean, the lights were flickering, and it just, like, blinded you earlier. So Jesus is like, come on, no volunteers? Somebody. Nobody. He just, just like, spits in this ground, and like, makes this mud pie. It's like, all right, what's this? And he proceeds to rub mud all over the guy's eyes, which, come on, this is crazy. This is almost, it's almost like adding insult to injury. It's like, Jesus, the dude's already blind. Now he's blind and dirty, and you rub spit in his eyes. I mean, how many of us would have, I mean, if you're that blind guy, you're like, dude, there's no water around me. How did he make... He kind of sounded like he spit. Did he spit in my, I'm not sure. I mean, there's this moment, it's just like, this is crazy. And if anybody could be offended, it's this guy. I mean, he's blind, he's a beggar, he's down on his luck, he's seen some really bad days, and now this guy comes up, spits on the ground, and rubs mud in his face. And to which Jesus is like, this is just called a facial, and one day people will pay lots of money for this. John, do you have any cucumber slices? Like, no, it's like he, he, this crazy moment in Scripture where Jesus is rubbing mud on his face, and this guy has gone from, well, he's gone from bad to worse. Like, it, it was bad enough to be blind, but now it's gotten even worse. You've rubbed mud in my face. And, and he, here's the thing. Sometimes coming to Jesus, sometimes that's exactly what happens. Sometimes things go from bad to worse. And see, this is not what we're taught, though. We're taught that, listen, you get saved, and you come to Jesus, and everything just magically gets better. Like, life is just like, oh, you'll be, you'll be walking the rainbow road, and Skittles will fall from the sky, and it'll just be awesome. I'm like, no, sometimes you get saved, and things like, whoa, everything started to go wrong. Things, like, went from bad to worse, Jesus. What is going on here? And what's amazing is, is why we sometimes come to these conclusions because the scriptures are very clear. Uh, Think about the children of Israel, for instance. Here's a group of people that have been enslaved for 400 years. All they've known is slavery. Day in, day out, what do they do? They make bricks. And so then this this, this redeemer comes like Moses is on scene. He's going he's gonna to help save the people out of slavery. And, and what happens? Things get bad. They get bad to the point of like, hey, listen, y'all still got to make bricks, but now you don't even get any straw. And so the people are like, whoa, this is not what we signed up for. 
Uh, and even to the point where they, they do get released, they walk up to this ocean, and then they have an army chasing them that just wants to slaughter them. Like, God, what are you going to do now? I mean, it, it, it was bad then, but now it's even worse. Before they were just beating our backs, now they're going to kill us right here. There's an ocean right in front of us. Things have gone from bad to worse. Jesus, he's been, they've told all of these lies and all of these false accusations against him. He stands trial. Even Pilate says, I find no fault in this man. Let's just beat him and let him go. Whoa! What do you mean? He's he's innocent, so let's beat him. There's something wrong with that. And then let him go. And and, and no, he gets beaten, and then he gets hung on a cross. Like, sometimes it goes from bad to worse, and there's a part of us that, like, well, God, this is not what we signed up for. This is, this is not how it's supposed to work. And, and, then, and then, like, we've heard the preachers, we've heard the sermons, like, you know, you got to be like the eagle, and you rise above the storm. Like, right? We all know that. Like, but the truth is, sometimes God takes us right through the storm. Sometimes right in the middle of it and everything that could go wrong does go wrong. And and sometimes you've got to make more bricks and you don't even have the straw to make them anymore. Sometimes God wants to bring us through. Sometimes we want the crown without the cross. Matter of fact, not sometimes, all the time we want the crown without the cross. And if I was this guy, and Jesus did this to me, I would say, listen, hold on, Jesus. Uh, just wait a second. This, this isn't efficient enough. This isn't, you know, all you have to do is just say a prayer, and then I could be healed. All you have to do is just be healed, and then I'll be good to go. I mean, you know, you're having to spit on the ground. You're having to rub mud in my eyes. And then you're sending me to this place. You're sending me to walk uh, to the, the, this pool uh, of Siloam, this scent place. It would just be so much easier if you could just do it like this. So much more efficient, so much more effective. Let me help you out on how this is supposed to work, right? And and Jesus is like, nope, this is what's going to happen. This is what I want you to do. This is where I'm sending you. And and it's funny that it says this place, this, this, this pool is called, hold on one second for me. One of the pastors have a big head. They've, like, stretched out my mic. It's falling off my... It was George. <laughs> or maybe he has a small head, and I have the big head. And I need to... Yeah, there we go. That's semi-better. Sorry. What was I talking about? I'm back out of you. Uh, yeah, this, this, this scent place, and God is sending you, and, and it just seems like... Here's the thing. It's not always easy. I mean, because think about it. Think about it. If you're this blind man in this position, this has happened to you. You've been blind your entire life. Now you have mud rubbed in your eyes. And now you're being sent to this other place to go wash, which is no easy task. Because remember, you're blind. It's, It's not exactly easy to get there. Imagine not being able to see. And I say, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to run over to Bojangles and pick up some chicken. Like, no, like you go get the chicken for me and bring it back. I'm the blind guy. And Jesus is like, nope, I'm sending you to this place called scent. And it doesn't mean the road's going to be easy. A little bit different than some of us have been taught. 
And it's, it's, it's amazing because Jesus is, is saying these things. And there's purpose for this man. And the first purpose you need to know is there needs to be some healing that needs to take place in your life. Uh, and the second purpose that you need to know is you're healed for a reason, for the glory of God, and you need to testify to that healing that God is doing in your life. And God has this plan, and he had this plan from the very beginning with this man. And all of the disciples just assume that, listen, it has to be a sin issue. It has to be a reason why everything went wrong for this guy. Uh, there had to be something in his life, or, but even before he was born, so it must have been something his parents did that would cause all of this to happen. And there's some things that we have to, need to understand about coming into the light, and the reality is sometimes things get a lot worse before they get better. Sometimes the road that God is sending you on isn't exactly the easiest one. It wasn't for this man. Now, here's a, f- a few things about this portion of Scripture. I don't know if you noticed, but every time that this man is referred to in the Scripture... It's just the blind man, or or the guy that was blind from birth, or the one that he must have been, the sinner. No name. We don't know his name. All he is is the blind guy. Even even to the point of where his neighbor said, isn't that the blind beggar? I mean, could you imagine? Like, nobody knows your name. All they know is your problem. All they know is your defect. Isn't that the alcoholic that we see all the time? Isn't that the guy that's hooked on drugs? Isn't, isn't that the one that they've had three failed marriages? That, that, have you ever like ran into somebody and you're talking to somebody and you forgot the other person's name and you have to describe them? And then often sometimes, how do we describe people? We describe them by their defects sometimes. You know the one guy with the big head? Oh, yeah, stretches out microphones? Like that guy. Oh, Pastor Lucas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's amazing is this guy has taken on this complete identity. And I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants to remind some of y'all this morning, you are more than your problem. You are more than your problem. He's taken on all of this, even to the point of his own parents. His own parents have sold him out. Uh, Now imagine this for a moment. You're the parents of this blind boy. He's been blind from birth, has never seen anything, and now he can see. I mean, I don't know about you, but I would be excited. Listen, my son can see now. He has not been able to see anything his entire life. A miracle has happened. He can see. I would be over the hill excited. This has happened. This is my flesh and blood. This is a miracle. This has happened. And that is not what happens at all. His parents are just worried about their own skin. And and, and they have, have sold him out. And all they care about is what other people think about them. Because they themselves have taken on the identity of, oh, those are the parents that must have, they're sinners. Because obviously they have the boy who's 
born blind. Something they did, something unrepentant, something that happened to them. And so their whole world, their whole life has focused around this idea that, well, we are sinners and this is who we are and everyone knows. And they've, they've taken their entire life, they've taken all of these steps to make sure people know that, listen, no, we're, we're good people. We, we really are. We don't do bad things. We don't know why. It must have been his fault. And they've lived with this so long that they've taken on this identity. The miracle has happened, and they can't even see it. All they could see is what might happen to them because they were afraid that the Jewish leaders, well, they know that if, if you gave testimony to Jesus, that you would get kicked out. And here's the reality about relationships. They will cost you something. See, I, I want to know, like, will you stand with me when times get tough? Or are you going to sell me out the second things get hard? Because the second things get hard, even the, the, the man's own parents sell him out. Because oh, Why? Because they could have been expelled from the temple. True relationships are going to cost you something. Uh, I think about years ago, um, I, was t- I was getting ready to board a flight to go to Indonesia, and um, for all of you that are from here, know that it, it never snows here, right? I mean, whenever it snows, we are the happiest people on the planet because we've got a quarter inch of snow, and school is canceled, and roads are shut down, and there's no bread in Walmart because <laughs> that's how we do it here in the South. We don't know snow. Um, and all of you Jersey people are like, that's not snow. Like, that's just... That's July in Jersey. And, uh, <laughs> but we love it. So I'm getting ready to board this flight, and uh, I had to go to Raleigh. And Chris Stanley said, hey, listen, man, I'll take you to the airport. And it dumps snow. And uh, he, gets, he gets me my flight, gets to take off. It took the man six hours to drive back from Raleigh to get here. And uh, I was like, and, and that's why you're my boy, Chris. Like, <laughs> The relationship costs something, though, you know? And, and I just thought about that. And, and I thought how everything in our lives now revolves around comfort. And, and the second something gets tough, I mean, come on, let, let's, let's, let's be serious. The second it gets tough, we're like, ah, I'm done with it. What, there's a one-hour wait for dinner? Forget about it, you know? The other day, my garage door opener broke. And I'm so upset like, oh my gosh, the garage door opener broke. Which I thought to myself, as if I can't just get out the car and open the door. You know, ooh, look how hard that is. You know, I went from doing this to doing this. You know, like, but like, that's the mindset, right? Like, if, if, if I can't, like, you're just supposed to, it's supposed to be easy, and now that it's broken, how are we ever going to get the car out of the garage? It's just going to be stuck there for the next 12 years. Like, because I just pressed a button, like, no, just open the door, the little emergency thing. And it's like, you know, we want things to be easy. We want things to be, I mean, we, we live in a world where you have 50 million choices about everything. Now, I know I'm only 37, but growing up, those first few years, and some of y'all will be able to relate to this, we didn't have 400 channels on the TV. We had three. We had three. It was channel U, channel three, and like channel five. And I don't even know what channel U was, but there was a U on that little dial. And you're just like, click, 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 channel U. 
And we, it was like, you know, and some of y'all even know this. So we had the TV that they were, they built these TVs inside of like wooden boxes that are just like giant fish tanks, right? You know what I'm talking about? But that TV would blow up and then you would just sit another TV on top of the TV. Y'all all did it. Yeah, you did. We had three of them mugs. We had TV, TV, TV. And then there's the, the, the steel antennas that are like sticking out. And you're like, little brother, turn the antenna. There's like tin foil wrapped around that mug. And you got like tin foil going around the room so you could get channel U. And there's no such thing as a remote control. Like, remote control was, hey, hey Devin, go turn the channel. <laughs> My brother, the drummer, he was the remote control. Go, buddy, channel U. I'm like, no, the president's on. No! The whole night shot. And now, like, we have these remote controls, and we just, like, 400 channels. We're like, there's nothing on TV. <laughs> right? It's true. It takes us half an hour to realize there's nothing on TV, so we go through it again because the shows have already stopped, and maybe another show will start. And so, like, if it's hard, I'm just done with it. It's through. And Jesus is like, this isn't the way it works. Like, I like y'all to leave your comfort zone. I'm going to spread some mud in your eye, and then I'm going to send you to this place. And yeah, I know you're blind now, but you'll be healed when you get there. But Jesus, it'd be so much easier to just heal me right now. But no, I am sending you to this place. And even on the heels of the healing, people don't even know how to celebrate for this man. All they want to do is figure out, well, who did some work on the Sabbath? Uh, what happened? They're trying to find, because this God, Jesus, he has to be a sinner. And here, here's what I've learned. Like, there, there's these religious leaders, these Pharisees and these Sadducees, and, and they can't see the miracle. All they've seen is, like, something's wrong. And, and I've said this before, but I've learned this about religious people, and I've learned this about the Pharisees. You could always spot them because they don't know how to celebrate with you. People that have a religious spirit do not know how to celebrate. They don't know how to party. All they know how to do is point the finger and say, whoa, whoa, something's wrong here. And that's exactly what these guys do. They miss the miracle, they point the finger, and there's no celebration. You want to know who, like, your real friends are? Look for the people that will celebrate with you when something good happens to you. Man, when you've had a good day or something's happened or you've been blessed on the job and you make that phone call to that person that you know is going to be happy for you, that's a friend. But you make that phone call to that person, it's just like, oh, well, why did she get the raise? I should have got the raise. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. None of that. But then the question begs is how many times have we been the Pharisee? How many times has something good happened to somebody else and we've missed the miracle and all we've seen? Well, it, it's not supposed to work this way. You can't do that on Sundays. You, you, you can't do it like this because it's Jesus, God, Jesus, he's obviously a sinner. And what happens is darkness is disguised as light. See, because here's the thing about these Pharisees and these Sadducees. These are the religious leaders of the day. These are the people that, that, that they go to for guidance and, and understanding of the scriptures and, and ones that are supposed to be teaching the people. And they're supposed to be bringing light into this darkness. And yet here is darkness disguised as light. And, and I find that often some of the people 
that on the outside we perceive them to be the most spiritual or the most hypocritical. Like, this has literally happened to me. Like, people like, but Lucas, you don't preach from the King James Version. I'm like, dude, you're hooked on crack. You're worried about what version of the Bible I'm speaking from. Like, seriously? Oh, but like, oh, like, we, you don't preach about somebody having a beer or something. Dude, you just cheated on your wife. And, and you're worried about the other guy that just had a beer at the bar. Like, are you serious? Do you, how do you look in the mirror? And, and sometimes it's some of these ones that we think are the most spiritual. Because, well, I don't do this, and I listen to only Christian music, and I only have K-Love on my radio. And, and that's why all of these things come out in the news of this preacher has fallen, and this has fallen, and they've committed these acts. Some of the ones that are so against certain things, and then they're hooked on it themselves. Because they know really good how to point out the specks in other people's eyes, but they can't see the plank in their own eye. And Lord, forgive us. Forgive me for those times where I've been the Pharisee. Because it's so easy to point fingers at these guys and be like, look how obviously dumb you are. But the fact is, I've been there. You've been there. We know what it's like. And there's this darkness disguised as light. But here's, here, here's also the twist. Then you have light disguised as darkness. Because Jesus is the light. But yet to everyone else, it's like, well, we'll know that there's something wrong about it because this doesn't happen on the Sabbath. There has to be, he has to be a sinner. Something has to be, so, so there's darkness disguised as light. Now there's light disguised as darkness. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I've seen Jesus show up in the craziest places. In the places where you don't think Jesus will be, then he shows up there. And you're like, God, surely you were in this place and I didn't even know it. And, and Jesus is making all of this to make this point because it gets to the end of the chapter. And he says, listen, uh, I enter this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think that they can see that they are the ones that are really blind. Jesus is saying, look, this guy that was blind, he actually has more sight than you people that can see. I think it's Helen uh, Keller that said this quote, you know, what's worse than being blind? Having sight with no vision. And that's exactly what these people had. They had sight with no vision. They couldn't even see the miracle right in front of them. And, and, and to the point where they have this man uh, just kind of almost on trial or asking him these questions. God, and, and they said, God should get the glory for this. And to which the guy's like, yeah, <laughs> he is. He, he is God. He is Jesus. But they were so sure that Jesus was a sinner that they were blinded to everything else. They were so sure. There's this quote that says, the journey, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. This is the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Have you ever heard that one? I think it's a Chinese proverb. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Um, but here's the thing. That single step has to be in the right direction. Otherwise, you could end up way off. And, and there's some things that you've got to know about Jesus there, there, there's some steps that have to take place 
And you have to have deep down in your spirit and in your soul that you know that you know because there will be some rough times. Jesus will send you to this place called sent, and sometimes things will go from bad to worse. Sometimes things won't go as planned. And there's all the one thing that I, I kind of I want to, as simple as it sounds, that I want to leave you with today is this, this cornerstone, this thought, this idea that when it comes to Jesus, he is good. He is good. That no matter what is happening around you, no matter what is, is, it just seems like the darkest of days. It seems like you've been blind for so long, and now you've even got mud rubbed in your eyes. And God, I don't understand why you're doing it this way. I don't understand why the cancer has come back. I, I don't understand why this is happening within my family. I don't understand why this is happening within my job. I, I don't know, but all I do know is at the end of the day that, God, you are good. And at the end of the day, you will get glory for all of this. And there's things on this side of eternity that, God, even if I don't have the, the, the questions answered, God, I'm going to praise you anyway. Because, God, I know this. You are good. And you love me. There's this one uh, theological professor that was asked, what is the greatest theological statement that you've ever heard? His answer was this, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. The psalmist write, your word, God, it's a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. And so, God, I know I could stand on this when everything else seems contrary, when everything else in my life in this world seems like it's going in a different direction. God, your word is true. It's a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. And, God, I will follow you to the pool of scent no matter what it costs me because, God, you're worth it. And even when things go from bad to worse, God, you are good. No matter what it is, you send me and I will crawl on my hands and knees blind with mud in my eyes. Because I believe that you're going to heal me, Jesus. I believe that there's hope beyond this life. And I believe that you are good. And I don't know. All I know is I once was blind, but now I see. I once was blind, but now I see. Though everybody else sells me out, though my parents sell me out, though all they know me out as the blind beggar, all I know is that there's this man named Jesus, and I was blind, and now I can see, and he's, he's done a miracle in my life. And here's the fact of the matter. Every one of us are the, is that blind beggar. And every one of us, all we are is people that have found the bread and are telling other, other beggars, this is where I found it, and his name is Jesus. All I know, I was blind and now I see. All I know, I was going down this road of death and destruction, and I've been brought into his marvelous life. And that there's hope for you, and there's hope for your family, and there's hope for your marriage, and there's hope for this county. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. 
For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come to the sea.